Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Flames. On today's episode, we are going to be talking all about the 2022 grievances with the NHL and your Calgary Flames on today's episode of Locked On Flames. Your Locked On Flames, your daily podcast on the Calgary Flames, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Flames. As always, I'm your host, Jess Belmosto, and thank you so much for joining me in today's edition of Locked On Flames, which happens to be the Festivus edition, where we will be airing the grievances from this season and really recently, uh, (laughs) anything that we have going on with the Flames or feel some type of way about when it comes to the NHL or this Flames organization. But if you like what you hear and like what you see, make sure you're subscribed to us on uh, any platform, you know, Audible, Spotify, Apple, YouTube. We're there. Locked on Flames. Uh, Wherever you get your podcasts, you can find us. And of course, we are on Twitter as well at LO underscore Flames pod. If you don't know what Festivus is, it is from the show Seinfeld. And on Christmas Eve's Eve, they uh, air their grievances. And today, in true podcast fashion, you know that I have to do that here as well. But uh, yeah, let's jump right into it. Okay. The One of the biggest things that I have noticed from covering this team in the last four years has to be how often they this fan base talks about needing a top six winger. And basically like that middle six guy, right? Because, you know, you have your top, you had your top two lines, or I guess your top line established, but you really needed someone that you could count on to consistently produce points and score and you know be that guy to call on and last year they traded for Toffoli which I think helped but you know are you gonna do it or not I think that last year this team looked super attractive and they absolutely could have added someone else in free agency but at the same time you probably would have needed to trade someone in order to make that salary work. And I'm not talking about Patrick Kane or Jonathan Taves. I, I personally think that um, that's just, that's not the look that this team is going for. I think that both of them would be very costly rentals. And I, I just really don't know if it's, if it could happen. I think, you know, tree living was, absolutely wheeling and dealing um, at the deadline, but also during free agency and the offseason as a whole. So he could have swooned someone and made it happen. And then this kind of goes along with my next issue, quote unquote issue here. And that would be the argument about adding a veteran defenseman. We know that there isn't a lot of competition to you know, for that seventh and eighth defenseman. We know that the Flames' defensive depth isn't as strong as it could and should be. But the the issue I have here and what I think people are forgetting to look at is Oliver Shillington. He will be back from leave eventually. And if he isn't, 
then yeah, of course, you're going to have to take a look at what's out there because I don't know if what I, I don't know if the Wranglers have it in their system to truly, you know, be that next man up. But unless Shillington and Tree Living have had a conversation about him not returning for the rest of the season, I think it would be silly to explore that option. Because, you know, yes, he's going to come back and he hasn't played all season. So there might be some, you know, cobwebs there that you need to dust off. But like, it to me, unless it is something that like a deal that you simply cannot say no to, then yeah, you're gonna get that. Then go after it. But if you if it's an unnecessary move, like you know you're giving up too much for a rental, then I say no, don't do it. And when Shillington comes back, he's going to be taking minutes away from Zadorov eventually. It doesn't we don't know if it's gonna be immediate. We don't know what might happen, but I just, I don't think that the long-term plan is to have Zadorov playing these 15, 16 minutes a night, even more than that. You know, when Tanev has been out, we've seen him pick up the load and it's just not realistic for him to carry that load. And that's okay because, you know, everyone has a different role on this team. And I think that the argument of trading for another veteran defenseman is silly. You have Michael Stone here. You let Derek Ryan walk, and I I just, I don't know what you do. <laughs> you know, uh, Char is retired, so I think the veteran defense, uh, defenseman theory possibility just doesn't need to be discussed at the moment. Sure, maybe closer to the deadline if you hear from Shillington that he is not returning, of course. Le- you know, I think there's open communication there, and that's fine. And uh, this other thing kind of goes back to my my sweet, sweet uh, top six defensemen, and that would be no more Milan Lucic in the top six. I get it. He scored two goals in two games, but that is an anomaly. That is clearly an outlier when you look at his performance and you look at the, his performance in those surrounding games, you know, like you look at the streakiness and yes, it's great that he scored. It's great that he got that monkey off his back, but how realistic is it to have him up there when there are much more deserving players that could probably be utilized in a better way? And I, I really like that Dylan Dubé has been getting a chance at that top line. I think that you know, we've all kind of joked about top line Dylan Dubé in the past because uh, Jeff Ward put him up there um, when it seemingly was unnecessary. But, you know, now he's had, I believe, six points in eight games and he he's on a tear right now. And it's it would be foolish to bump him down. But at the same time, I, I don't think he is the one you need to move. So we're, you know, going to have to take a peek at that when the tonight during tonight's game against the Anaheim Ducks. And coming up next, we are going to talk about uh, some NHL grievances and some from my fantastic co-host, Nick Zararis. But before we do that, I do want to take a quick break and remind you all that today's episode is brought to you by the NHTSA, the National Highway Traffic and Safety Association. 
Did you know that driving high is considered driving under the influence? That's right. Driving under the influence of marijuana is against the laws in every state and even in states where marijuana is legal. That means driving high could get you a DUI. And if you think law enforcement officers can't tell when you're driving high, you're wrong. Your friends can tell. Your coworkers can tell. Even your parents can tell. Everyone can tell. So what makes you think that law enforcement officers don't know when you're driving high? Driving under the influence of marijuana can slow your response time and change how you perceive time and speed. So even if you think you're fine to drive when you're high, you're not. Because the bottom line is you feel different when you, when you drive different. And driving high is driving under the influence. So remember, drive high, get a DUI, paid for by the NHS, NHTSA. Thank you all so much for hanging out with me here on Locked on Flames. Tonight, it is, and we, I am in the middle of a whiteout, a windstorm, an ice freezing tundra. I feel like I'm recording from like the North Pole or something. It's absolutely freezing, but I'm so happy to have you here with me and uh, keep me occupied during this time where I can't go out Christmas shopping. So uh, let's talk about, speaking of shopping, Let's talk about these crisp, uh, these these bumper ads, okay? So I had talked, I texted Nick, and I was like, "Hey, doing the uh, Festivus episode. What's your biggest grievance? Bumper ads. I think that they are a massive distraction. I get that the league has to make money. I get it, especially for making up, quote unquote, the lost revenue." during uh, the shortened season and the when fans weren't allowed. Like, I, I get it. You know, you do have to make up the difference somewhere. But I, I really thought that we were going to be doing that with the jersey ads and the helmet sticker things. But my biggest issue with the bumper ads isn't, isn't the ads. I, I don't care. I get it. We are in a capitalist continent, okay? We, that's what... That's what sports is. Sports is a business. How many times do we hear that, right? But they are a massive distraction. And there's two that come to mind specifically. It's the Jeep and the Ram ads. Like, they are so dark and so, like, the Ram one is dark, but the Jeep one is so bright. It just doesn't, they don't make sense to me. I feel like they're poorly designed, poorly planned out. And if there was some sort of structure in them in terms of, you know, changing at the stoppage of play or changing with line changes or something like that, it would make more sense. And uh, we've seen tweets of people tweeting that like players are literally getting lost (laughs) in the green screen of the ads and like the digitalized ads. And I just, that's, to me, that's very distracting when, you know, you lose the puck like on the screen, but then you're also losing players. And that's, (laughs) why are they being absorbed? What what are they doing? And I just, I don't enjoy watching a product while they're, while these ads are just so distracting. Like I think of like when I'm watching the news and like there's the ticker on the bottom or ESPN and there's like the sports updates, that's fine, right? Like that's constantly going and you get used to it. But you know, you can kind of tune that out. But in hockey, 
you you can't really tune out the, the boards. Those are a vital part of the game in a way. So it's very difficult to do that. And I guess, you know, the fan or the survey that came out a couple of weeks ago when Gary Bettman, quote unquote, sur- uh, surveyed NHL fans and said they said that they're fine with them. Like, who number one, who are you surveying? How many of these people are um, watching from home rather than at the game? How many of these people are not closely related to you? Like, what was your what was your sample size? Can we see a breakdown of that data, please? And it it frustrates me. It really does because it's not like it's just people. How people acted the jersey like the way that people reacted to the jersey patches. How people are reacting truly to the bumper ads. Like, it's not, the Jersey ads are not some catastrophic patch that are so, like, they're an eyesore, they're ugly, they're, like, so distracting. No, that is the bumper ads, and I hate them. I loathe them. And they're just, again, they would be fine if it, if the transitions were better, if the, if there was structure in them. (laughs) I think that's also another big issue is just, the complete lack of structure when it comes to, like, when they're changing. And I, I can't keep my eyes on multiple things at once. I can't, like, be looking one way and the other. But, you know, that's just another silly thing. I also, speaking of data, I wish that people, now I'm not going to say well, say who, name names, but the analytics crowd on Twitter, I really wish that they weren't so like, haha, gotcha moment, because a lot of people are also just not very into that side of analytics. Um, Quite honestly, I can read a standard J Fresh player card in one of those graphs. That's probably it. And I, I don't think a lot of people are going to sit here and, like, unless you do it for, like, writing, podcasting, research, a lot of people aren't putting that kind of stock into things. And I get it. Like, you want your work to be recognized. But at the same time, like, some people just don't care. They just don't care. You don't have to have this kind of, like, I was right moment with a pretty little picture. I think some people have gotten, like, this over like they've become over they think they're over important and this overly important version of themselves like that they have in their heads and I just I don't think it's that big of a deal um you know stats are stats and then other people you know a few weeks ago it was the oh who would have thought Tage Thompson was gonna um break out like this quite literally every other chart had him performing well so maybe it's just you maybe it is just you but again that's just my opinion I also okay this and I understand that this is not necessarily something people can control because this is sometimes a third party thing but ticket prices We need to talk about ticket prices. My biggest issue right now as a fan, and I mean, I shouldn't say biggest issue. There's 
other things in hockey that, you know, are a little more important. But it's how inaccessible the game has become over the last few years. I was looking at tickets to uh, a Bruins-Leafs game, right? The tickets in the last row of the balcony and TD Garden in Boston, these tickets pre-COVID would have gone for 100 bucks. Last row of the balcony, $400. This is not a playoff game. I did not play, pay that for round two of the Stanley Cup championship or Stanley Cup playoffs in 2019. Um, I've never paid that much. And I just, I truly, it makes me sad at how inaccessible the game, and it's not just hockey, uh, um, how in, inaccessible the game has become for so many, because, you know, it takes, it costs a lot of money to get two people to a game, let alone a family of four. And I think that's something that people really need to realize when they are talking about the inaccessibility of the game. Like, yes, it, it's the blackouts. It's the cost of equipment. It's the cost of going to games. It's the cost of parking at these venues. And it's just very frustrating. And as a fan who grew up going to games, like with her family, it makes me sad that you don't, I, like my family wouldn't have been able to afford tickets, ticket prices at what they are now. It's absolutely absurd. So I, and I know this isn't anything new and you just, you know, I think something has to be done about the price gouging and the third party sellers in all honesty. And that honestly, I could do a whole episode about Ticketmaster and everything like that. But coming up next, we are going to talk about my final grievances with uh, the NHL, or I guess more so fans. Do some flame sea of red chatter coming up next here on Locked on Flames. And thank you all for tuning into today's episode of Locked on Flames. As always, you can follow the show wherever you get your podcasts and, of course, on YouTube at Locked on Flames. Can we, for like five seconds, hear me out, take a deep breath. If you are driving, maybe pull over, take a sip of your coffee your tea. Do y'all drink iced coffee when it's snowing and like below zero? I do. And that's like a New England thing, but hopefully you're all enjoying it as well. But can we stop pretending there's a goalie controversy? Can we stop acting like Dan Vladar is going to replace Jacob Markstrom in terms of, you know, starting more games or Anything like that. Like, they both are fantastic goalies, but there's no goalie controversy. Jacob Markstrom started 63 games last year. That is a lot. He did not have much downtime. His offseason was not as long as it usually is because, of course, the Flames um, were in the playoffs. And then, of course, you know, you have just he admitted he was tired you know he had a slow start to the season and that's okay that is normal most goalies do not start out red hot and if you look at the outlying uh or if you look at his career stats you know that last year was a serious outlier and most of his seasons kind of go like the way that this is going yes are flames fans spoiled when it comes to jacob markstrom absolutely He's played well. 
yeah, he struggled. Yeah, there have been times where he can't, couldn't stop a beach ball. But at the end of the day, he's played overall really well. And you have Dan Vladar, who has come up in one of the best goalie pipelines and one of the best goalie systems that really anyone could ask for. And with the proper coaching, the best mentors, all of that. And he's, you know, he was traded to this market and he's still, you know, he's been given a real shot at the NHL here. And this isn't something he had with his previous team. And it he did, but it wasn't a fair shot. And you have to appreciate what you have. Because how many times have we sat and said, you know, it, do, it won't matter when this player is gone. And then that player leaves and suddenly your offense is dying. And, you know, I just, you really have to appreciate the tandem as a whole. Yes, Markstrom as an individual and yes, Dan Vladar as an individual. But the chemistry that they have as teammates, as friends, as colleagues, I think is really great too. They have a tremendous amount of respect for each other. It isn't some weird tension, animosity thing because Vladar gets a few more starts this week and Marstrom starting more the next. Like Sutter told us that Vladar was going to be getting more work. So let's act like let's not act surprised here, okay? I think that that's something people need a great big reminder of. And my last note, can we stop being bitter about Gaudreau and Kachuk? Oh, my God. Oh, well, you know, they they owed it to us to stay here. No, they're human beings. They're not robots. No, who cares? Honestly, I'm so happy that Kachuk said that he wanted to be traded because if he didn't and he walked in free agency, I think the city of Calgary would have caught on fire considering they lost Gaudreau and then, you know, uh, Kachuk stays for the season and then he's like, peace out, I'm done. Like, it would have been the end of the world. Like, I think Calgary, like, it would have been a disaster. All the farms in Calgary, like, all the hay just up in flames. And it's not very good. That's not a very good sign. That's not a very good thing. And you know what? How, at least... At least Matthew had the respect. I hate framing it like this because it sounded like Gaudreau was really waiting down to the last minute to stay in Calgary, but at least he had, at least Kachuk had the respect to tell you. And you got it. You had a general manager that didn't just bite at the first offer to make the player happy. He knew, he knew that he had to make his team attractive and make it a good team. He wasn't just going to go out there and get uh, Natchez Natchez from Carolina and call it a day and take on Jake Gardner's contract. Get out of here. Like, at least he gave you that. And you know what? If Johnny Gaudreau didn't want to live in Canada anymore, that's up to him. I don't care. I don't care. He has a family to think of. His wife just had a baby. His dad has heart problems. Okay, if he wants to be closer, good for him. Not that big of a deal. I guess my last grievance would be that none of you have sent me a flame shirt. I'm just kidding.
I can get them. I can get one myself. But as always, thank you so much for tuning in to Locked on Flames. As always, I'm Jess Belmosto, and you can follow me on Twitter and hang out with me at Jess Belmosto, and you can follow the show wherever you get your podcasts, and of course, on YouTube as well. I hope you all have a fantastic weekend, and I will see you Monday.